0: You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 21. Well, welcome back. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. Well, sorry for the hiatus. I've been away for two weeks instead of the normal one, uh, and that's due to the extremely hot weather here in Australia. We've had average temperatures during the day hovering between 35 degrees Celsius and 45 degrees Celsius, which you really can't make cheese in those sort of temperatures. So I haven't been able to make any cheese myself. In fact, my cheese fridge or cheese cave has thrown in the towel and it will not keep cheese at the temperature I need it to, which is about 15 degrees Celsius and below. So I've had to pull it out and put all the other cheese that I've got maturing. I had a couple of cheeses. I had some Romano and some Cotswold that I had vacuum packed, so I've had to put that into the normal cheese fridge... into the normal refrigerator, sorry. And basically... What I've had to do is find a small bar fridge that is fit in the same space I had the, the wine fridge and I'm going to connect an external thermometer. I think just the sorts of things we talked about in the last episode. So that's the sorts of things that have been happening in my world here. The heat is just uh, inhibits making cheese of any form. So what's the topic going to be this week? Well, we're going to talk about brine. And brine is a very important part of cheese making, especially when you get into some hard cheeses as we go along. So brine bathing is a very common method of adding salt to your cheese instead of having to mix or mill cheese salt into the cheese at at milling time after you've taken it and drained the whey from the curds. So, most cheese making procedures when they call for a brine expect the brine to be between 18 and 23 percent salt, and there's many reasons. Anything less than 16 to 18 percent, brine is more susceptible to bacterial infection, it can allow the cheese to swell. Um, in a less brine solution it'll also create a slimy or greasy surface on the newly formed cheese now if you have less salt in the cheese the acidity development will be less retarded so you'll result in a higher acidity in the cheese and it will taste not well it won't taste like it should so you'll get things like a sticky type cheese you'll get uh, Discoloured rinds. You'll get moulds that may be orange or red or brown, and maybe even sometimes a black mould, which are are not very good. Brines over 23% salt um, increase the risk that the moisture is lost too rapidly when it's in its brine bath, uh, and that can inhibit the cheese from taking up uh, salt all the way into the centre. However, really for home cheese making. So many people recommend a fully saturated brine, A, because it's easy to make and it's easy to provide a standard for when you have to refresh your brine, which we'll talk about uh, a little bit uh, later as well. Now, freshly made brines, um, if you don't add something to them, uh, they will... Basically, there's a thing called, uh, it's a technical, I've only just learnt myself, but I know what happens. It's uh, an ion exchange between calcium and hydrogen ions. And what they do, they transfer between the cheese into the brine uh, until it reaches a, a balance. Now, this cheese causes the casein to absorb water. Uh, So the surface of the cheese will swell, it'll be slimy, and uh, you have to actually scrape the slime off before you can mature the cheese. Now, you can fix that, no problems at all. So when you make a brine, you need to bring the acidity of the brine up to about a pH of 5, which you could use, basically you could use the whey that you've just drained off the cheese. You could use that as the base of the brine, the acidity will be high enough. You can add some citric acid to the water if you're going to make a water-based brine, or you can add white distilled vinegar to the brine. You also need to add some food-grade calcium chloride to about 0.1%, and we'll talk about uh, ratios in a second. Now, you want to store your brine in a container that is going to be able to handle the amount of brine you're going to use. So a sturdy plastic container is fine. It has to be large enough to hold the brine and the cheese. So you just have to check that out. Um, I use a, for my normal one kilo cheeses, I use a four litre ice cream container, plastic ice cream container. Uh, that's obviously doesn't have ice cream in it. But uh, that's certainly enough by using about two litres of brine put in the cheese and it'll float on top and it'll just be under the level of the lid so that works well. Uh, You can also use you know tall plastic containers as long as it's got a bit of volume and just make sure that you you use a salt corrosive resistant material so you don't want to use things like aluminium and we'll talk about that in a minute you don't want to use cast iron Uh, Any other sort of metal, except for a really good high-quality stainless steel, that's fine, that you could use for your um, brine container or brine storage. But I prefer food-grade plastic. It's a lot easier to clean out. As long as it hasn't got a lot of scratches in it, it'll be fine because the scratches uh, harbour bacteria. So when making a saturated brine, it's pretty easy. All you do is boil the amount of water that you want to make, and I do that in a stainless steel pot. In my normal cheese stock pot. So you add, you roughly add about one part of cheese salt so that's uh, no additives, no uh, anti-caking agents and it has to be non-iodized as well. So you need it's, it's normal cheese making salt. One part of cheese making salt to four parts of boiled water and then you stir the salt until it's fully dissolved. And you'll find that it becomes fully saturated, you'll see a little bit of salt sitting on the bottom that just will not absorb or dissolve into the water. So you allow the brine to cool to about 15 degrees, and then if some of the salt um, sits on the bottom, then you know you've got a fully saturated brine. Then you need to add the vinegar uh, to get to the pH of about 5, as I mentioned, so Per litre, add about one and a half millilitres uh, for a gallon add a teaspoon uh, and that'll get you up to 5%. And like I said, use a white distilled vinegar. And then add your calcium chloride. So to get to, uh, and that's a 30% calcium chloride solution which we talked about in the last podcast. So typically it's about four millilitres Of calcium chloride to per litre of water or one tablespoon to one US gallon Uh, so that'll be the right ratio so you've got your water you've got your salt uh, you've got your vinegar and you've got your calcium chloride so you can make a a lighter brine or a non saturated brine so you want about midway between uh, 18% and 23% which is recommended for some cheeses so how do you figure out what the midway is? Well, let's choose 20%. Really easy test, and this is a very old cheesemaker's tip. What you do is you keep adding salt. The really easy tip is a fresh egg, a very fresh egg, one um, as fresh as you can get from the chicken's bottom. It will float in a 20% salt solution. So that's how you kind of gauge the percentage of salt in your brine. So like I said, a fresh egg will float on top of a 20% brine solution. Now there is a a specific table to get the right percentage of salt to water. And what I'll do, I'll pull up the source of this information. I found it on cheeseforum.org. So I'll link to the table, the brine making table that everybody can have a look at and that will help them figure out how many kilograms or grams of salt they need per litre, and alternatively, how many pounds of salt per US gallon of water. So that is how you make your brine. Because you don't actually have to throw away your brine. So we're going to talk about maintaining your brine now. So brine's above 16%, so you want them above that, like I've said, because that's the minimum for hostile bacteria. To live in your brine, you want it above that, right? So between eighteen percent and twenty percent is a non-saturated brine, and twenty-six percent of salt to water is a fully saturated brine. It will not absorb any more. So to store it, like I said, in a plastic container, uh, you got to make it, and you got to put it somewhere. It's got to have a lid on it. You got to make sure that it's around fifteen degrees Celsius or sixty degrees Fahrenheit. So it's probably best if you store your brine that you're not using at the time in your cheese fridge, which is usually around that that temperature. Uh, so it can be lower. Lower is better than higher. So 15 degrees or lower is great. So keep your brine uh, when it's not in use in your cheese fridge if it fits. Don't allow any slime to develop on the sides above the water line. This will be fat from the cheese and you may get bacterial growth in that. Now, you can clean your brine, so you can use it again. A good brine can be used over and over again, and all you have to do is replenish the salt. So before you replenish the salt, you've got to clean it. So basically, if there are any bacteria, which I don't think there will be, but and any bits of cheese and, and cloudiness and all that sort of stuff. So what you're going to do is you're going to skim the surface of the brine. If there's anything on top, get that off. Just use a sieve at 15 degrees. Uh, If it's in poor shape, then you can, and it's cloudy, just pour it through cheesecloth and collect the residue uh, and throw the stuff in the cheesecloth away uh, and clean the container that you've got it in and then pour it back in again. Now, if it's in really poor shape, then boil the brine. So put it in a stainless steel container and brine it and that'll kill off anything that you think may be in there. Uh, And then strain it through a cheesecloth and you'll have a semi-clear brine that you can use again. You just need to cool it back down again before you put any cheese in it. Now, as you use a brine over and over, the salt from the brine gets absorbed into the cheese. So to test that, especially if you're using a a, a non-saturated brine to get it back up to the 20% mark, um, what you'll need to do is do the egg floaty test um, and that'll get you back up to the 20%. So add salt until that happens. Or you can use a device called a salometer, spelled S-A-L-O-M-E-T-E-R, and that measures the percentage of salt in in your liquid or your water, or measure your whey, if you're using whey as the base for your brine. So that'll measure how much percentage of salt is in your brine. So for a saturated brine, you just keep adding non-iodized cheese salt until it no longer dissolves, Uh, and cool it to the using temperature, and you should see a little bit of salt on the bottom. So that's how you rebuild your brine. So you should test it uh, every time you use it. Uh, You may need to clean it, but it's up to you. So that's how you make brine and how you maintain your brine. I've got the same brine that I've been using for two years. I simply clean it, rebuild it if I need to, and uh, by adding extra salt to it, and then I use it for Hard cheeses like parmesan or Romano or, or gruyere or even feta. So uh, that brine gets used overnight because you don't want to keep making brines. It's nice and simple. If you can store it in a plastic container in your cheese fridge, go for it. It's a great technique. So now we're going to answer listener questions. Now, unfortunately, I don't have any voicemails this week. They've been not flooding in like they normally do. So if you've got a a voicemail or a question, don't forget you can go over to littlegreencheese.com and leave me a voicemail. There is a a widget on the right-hand side of the blog page and you can send me a voicemail. Just make sure that when you do record your voicemail, play it back so you can hear it, so it doesn't sound all crackly. Any of the ones that are recorded and are premium I don't play on the show because basically people can't hear them. So just check before you send to play it back and have a listen. And if you need to make any adjustments like background noise, then, uh, then go for it. But please send them through. They're fantastic. I love hearing your voices, and I love answering your questions. Anyway, I do have some email ones, so uh, don't sound too disappointed. I'm, I'm not. So here, here's one from... Matthew Craig and Matthew comes from the United Kingdom. He comes from York. He says, Hey, I was wondering how I could test the inside of my Stilton without cutting it open. I've looked online for cheese irons, but they seem rather expensive. Do you have any tips? Well, thanks for your question, Matthew. I think the device you're after is called a cheese trier, which you can insert into the cheese, pull out a bung of cheese or a, a core of cheese taste the inside of it and pop it back in again and seal it off and the cheese looks fine. Uh, And really, you can't go past those. However, what I can recommend, if you want to taste the inside of your cheese without cutting it open, is to get a sharp knife and to insert that into the centre of the cheese. And when you pull it back out again, there may be a little bit of paste on the tip and taste the paste and see what it tastes like. And if it tastes good, then obviously your cheese and desirable for you, then crack it open and eat it. Um, That's one way to test Stilton, other than using a cheese trier. Anyway, thanks for your question, Matthew. All right, the next question is from a long-time listener, and she has her own um, uh, blog, and she comes from Denmark. And hopefully I've got this right how to say it. So her name is Acey, or Ace, uh, that's uh, that's spelled A-A-S-E, Pedersen. So... The question is, hi Gavin, I am fortunate that a student has given me a 42-litre pot. That's massive. So I hope I can really make big cheese now. I'm not sure whether it's okay to make cheese in an aluminium pot. Do you have any experience with it? Happy to hear from you. Regards from AC. Uh, Now, her blog, by the way, is osteepressin.blogspot.com. That's O-S-T-E. P-R-E-S-S-E-N. So which means cheese press <laughs> in Danish. So it's cheese press blogspot.com But you have to type in the uh, the Danish word. Anyway, thank you very much for your question, AC. The answer to your question is no, you shouldn't really use aluminium. And I'll tell you why. Aluminium, it's not recommended to use cast iron or aluminium pots because of the reaction of the acids in the whey and they react with the metallic salts in the pot. Now, if they're absorbed into the curd, it can give an acidic or even metallic taste to the flavour. It also corrodes them and pits the aluminium pot uh, from the high acidity from the whey. So aluminium and cast iron should be avoided at all costs. However, you can use stainless steel. High quality stainless steel is fantastic. That's the premium way to make cheese. Or you can use enamel coated pots. And I've got an enamel coated pot and it's really held up well in most of my cheese making sessions if I'm making two different cheeses at once. So hopefully that's answered your question. Thank you very much for sending it in. OK, the next question is from Don. It's not really a question. It's a, a success story. So I'd love to read out these ones where people have made cheeses from the recipes that I post up on the Little Green Cheese. So this is from Don Beagle, and Don's from Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, USA. OK, Don goes on to say, Hi, Gavin, I'm a relatively new cheesemaker. About eight months ago, I started making some cheddars. You know, little one pound blocks. After four or five successful runs, I turned to making five-pound wheels. Five pounds is two and a half kilos for those out of their metric land, roughly. Uh, out of all that I have made so far, I've only had two failures, one five-pound cheddar and my first try at Parmesan. I followed the recipe I had and it came out as a poorly knitted cheese. I had hopes of trying to save it but continued flaking apart and finally had so many cracks and mould I just tossed it. After reading on Cheesemaker's blog, I came across your recipe. I tried it here on Friday and out of the two gallons of milk came this beautiful little 1.5 pound wheel of cheese. It's soaking in the brine right now and will come out in a few hours. I used raw whole milk for the whole thing and the flavour of the cheese is already very good. I nibbled on some curds as I was making it. But I wanted to thank you for what will be my go-to parmesan recipe from now on. Because of the small size of the cheese, I think I'm going to wax it a little earlier to help hold some of the moisture. Currently in my cheese cave, I have eight five-pound cheddars, two three-pound goudas, two six-pound colbys and sooner parmesan and a two to three-pound or maybe two smaller wheels of Edom. Thanks again for a great recipe, Don. Well, thank you very much, Don. It's great to see that some of my recipes are out there getting used by people, budding cheesemakers. And you seem like you've got more cheese in your cheese cave than I have because I've got none (laughs) because Mm -hmm. of the hot weather. So well done, Don. Uh, Really appreciate your email and thank you very much for sending it through. Well, that's about all we've got time for this episode. For upcoming workshops in the Melton, Victoria area, or all of my recipes and my ebook, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, a beginner's guide to cheese making at home, you can find all of those on littlegreencheese.com. You can also find my cheese making video tutorials within the ebook or on my YouTube channel, just search for Greening of Gavin. Thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next exciting episode of the Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this podcast, you heard royalty-free music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, and Call to the Dairy Cows.